I was on the subway recently. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to give two examples. One, one example, I was walking across the street recently. This is two or three weeks ago. And I was wearing, it was very hot this day. It was extremely hot. Mm. And I was wearing this large black kung oh. fu shan, like it's a kung fu like outfit. But it was, it's super mm. thick and it's beautiful. I wanted to wear it because it's beautiful. It made me feel beautiful. Mm. And I'm crossing the street on this scorching hot day in this black robe. And this old lady, mm-hmm. uh, she begins, she's, I don't know, 70, 80 years old. 80. She's definitely like, <laughs> very old. She begins yelling at me in public in front of a bunch of people and she's smiling. And because I have a lot of experience living in China, I know that she doesn't mean harm. She's thinking of herself as like my auntie. Right. Exactly. She's trying to give me advice. This is not something we Chinese people wear on scorching hot days. You are overdressed. Go home and change. This is what she was telling me in Chinese. And I was like, how, how, how? As we were crossing the intersection and the other elderly people that were around her were all giggling as she did this thing where she yelled at me. I mean, Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason, and today with me is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, having a good day. Happy, happy, happy. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Uh, so what is the secret to wellness, happiness? You know, I want to talk about my friend Jonathan later. He says there is no such thing as happiness. Huh? Behavioral scientist Mike Rucker says the pursuit of fun is a, quote, radical act of self-care, end quote, in his new book, The Fun Habit, How the Pursuit of Joy and Wonder Can Change Your Life. In a world where wearing a badge of productivity, something I do, mm. something of which I am definitely guilty, Rucker says, quote, available to anyone at almost any time, fun offers a direct neurological route, use those sciencey words, to improving our well-being, end quote. Uh, what do you think, Bebe? Okay, so let me sort things out. We're talking sure. about how to be happy. How, I think his theory, this gentleman, Mike Rucker, uh, his theory of happiness is to pursue excitement, joy, and wonder in your life. All right. So that's not my formula. (laughs) And I am an expert on being happy. Like you found the right person, Jason. You're the you're an expert on being happy. Oh yeah, haven't you noticed? You're full of angst. Were you kidding me? You think the world's gonna end any moment? Well, not exactly like that. <laughs> okay, so things go through cycles, right? And there's the ups, uh-huh. upward uh-huh. trend, and there's the downward trend. And before you can go up again, it has to go down. So that's just natural part of uh, evolution, you know, for human society. Mm-hmm. But so you're like Taoist. I well, not quite. Yin, I'm yang, just up and down. After going after the truth, like the way things really are. But so we're talking about mm. happiness. Have we like ran out of news? Like, have we run out of troubles to talk about? I think this is a critical and important <laughs> thing is. because people. Okay, here's the thing. I myself am a workaholic. I know. And one of the things that drives me is philosophy. There's a lot of philosophy that talks about when you're old, 
you look back at your life and it's not the times when you tried and failed that you remember. It's the times that you didn't try at all. This is a common like Western trope that comes from ancient Greek philosophy. It's in TV shows and movies Mm. and stuff, too. So you probably heard it in movies, but I don't want to be that guy. So I spend all my time working like 70 hours a week all the time, making sure that every dream I I have about making, you know, working and bringing something into this world, I work really, 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 really hard to get there. Sometimes I burn out and then I need a couple days off. But most of the time, even on weekends, I'm just working all the time because I don't want to look back at my life and think, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that, but I didn't do it. I want to think, man, I used up all the time I had. <laughs> That's it. That was nothing. No room for anything. Wow. Else. And yeah. all the energy. <laughs> And last breath. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I'm not, Mm. I am a bit of a workaholic too. Mm. And I think I contribute that to the time I spend in the US. It was like, you could feel this in the air. You know, Mm. it was like the good thing to be super productive, to always reach for the moon, you know? Um, And it was, it's shameful if you are not productive, mm. you, you haven't done a lot of good things, you mm-hmm. don't have enough badges and things that I've jumped out of that box mm-hmm. already. Okay, I think that's just one take on life. So but I, um, I like being productive. It's fulfilling. And that's a whole production. But since I'm a mom, that's, <laughs> you know, a whole new set of way of living. Like mm-hmm. it's a com- it's a whole, it's a complete transformation. Mm-hmm. So I try to balance the two, mm-hmm. um, but I can't be as much of an alcoholic, at workaholic as before. Um, so it's, it's a balancing thing. But when it comes to happiness, I have my own, I could write a book about this, Jason. Well, let's put your theory of happiness up against Mike Rucker's. What's sure. the babe? What is Bebe's ba- theory of happiness? This is the title title of Bebe's upcoming book, everyone. Bebe's theory of <laughs> happiness. Go for it. I don't think I'll ever write a book about this, but maybe <laughs> I'm, I am. Um, so uh, you didn't know that I'm a really like I'm really good at being happy. It takes skills. You know, every time we talk, you feel like I feel like you are so concerned about the state of the world, about the state of pollution, about the state of microplastics, about the state of big corporations Mm. taking over everything. Right. That you seem consumed by worry. That's that's honestly my impression. Well, it's more like I'm aware of these problems. And based on the amount of evidence that I've gathered, I think these are real uh, problems and challenges that we face. Uh, Mm. But. I also don't carry that over. If I could do something about it, like I can't change it technically, mm-hmm. but I can, uh, we can talk about it, right? We can let more people become aware of it. I can use, um, I can try not to use plastic bottles, things I can do, but for the things that I have mm-hmm. no control of, I leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Like I don't worry about it. I'm very good at not worrying. So for me, happy, being happy is not about chasing after things. Maybe when you are younger, Mm-hmm. You think being happy is having this, having that, uh, be it uh, material things or experiences. But I'm like older now. I'm in my early 40s. Mm-hmm. I'm at the stage where um, happy means content. It means peace. Peace is so much more important than happiness for me at this stage. And I th- probably for, for the rest of my life. And when I'm older, I feel like being happy is not having mm-hmm. uh, the things that I don't want. No, no, like disease, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, accidents, um, having things, mm-hmm. a lot of things to worry about um, and also troubles of all mm-hmm. kinds. Like if I don't have any of these, I'm like, woohoo, what a good life. You know, mm-hmm. what a good day. So, you know, happy means different things, I think, sure. at different stages please, please. Uh, of one's life. 
Chapter um, one. When it comes to theory, I do have a few points that I think. Okay, first one is really simple. Chapter one, first thing, really simple, but、mm. common, common sense, but it's very crucial. Um, you have to have enough sleep.、Mm-hmm. If you don't have enough sleep, I think anyone or any human being, it's hard to be happy, and especially if it's been like that for a while. A day or two, I think one can handle, especially if you're、mm-hmm. younger.、Um, but prolonged period of you know lack of sleep,、mm-hmm. it's not gonna make anyone happy. So that's、mm-hmm. something I want to say outright,、mm-hmm. and also worrying, right? If one is worried, how could one be happy? How could one be peaceful? And then how not to worry that you use your wisdom to judge. What are the things that you can control? You can make、uh, with which you can make a difference, right? And what are the things that you pretty much have no control of? And for me, I'm very good at not worrying about the things that I can't control. I just just、mm-hmm. chuck it out of my mind. I don't worry about it. And、mm-hmm. if one day, well, that sounds like stoicism to me.、Uh, you can categorize it, you know, however you want. But these are things that I found to be very, very helpful for myself,、mm-hmm. uh, life changing for myself. Very popular theory in the West. Yes, I've,、uh, I, I might even have a book on it, but I just haven't. There are hundreds of books on stoicism, which is exactly that: letting go of anything you can't control. It makes sense, right? And if one day,、mm-hmm. let's say, I do have the ability or the power to make a difference, then I bring it in. Right. To my sphere、sure. of it's mind again. If you can change it, then it's changeable. But if it's not changeable, then there's no sense in worrying about it. Right. And also, I think something else、uh, to contribute to my peace or inner peace.、Um, it comes to、uh, you know finance. Finance is something we all have to worry about, right? So、mm-hmm. we can at least. Well, not、live. everybody. My brother Robert, who listens to this show, he does not worry about finance. Is he super rich? He makes it from month to month, and he's happier than anyone I know. Hey, you know that's what I because when when people mention finance,、um, our automatic response is, "Oh, he must be really, really rich. He doesn't have to worry about、uh, making money." I have a different theory.、Mm-hmm. I feel like at this stage of my life, I've reached like a sweet spot. Actually, I've been like this mostly most of my life. The sweet spot is I have enough,、mm-hmm. but pretty much just enough, which means I have enough to live. I think comfortably. I don't have very high standards.、Um, I don't have to live a certain. Your、life. three Porsches and your,、uh, you know, swimming pool. I personally、helicopter. don't have a car. <laughs> I don't like because I don't like to drive.、Oh, yeah. So if I have to go out, me too. Yeah, I I don't like driving. I think driving is I like your your worrying thing and、right. stress. I think car is a stress machine. Exactly. Change tires, change the oil, add the gas. You got to park it somewhere. You got to clean it. You got to. I know. When you go and park somewhere, you have to pu- remember where you parked it. It's a horrible thing to stress out about. I know the whole thing. I can't find one part that I'm I'm happy with. Right. <laughs> so if I have to go somewhere、um, by myself, I just take a cab or the subway or walk, and you know. That I don't really go out much、yeah. or walk. Yes. So when it comes to finance, what I want to say is I have just enough so I can pay for the things I absolutely need, but I have no investments, not much investment,、hmm. so I don't have to worry about that. What about what about retiring? I have a question because that's a big concern for everyone in every country. That's why we have pensions set up in most countries around the world, right? Right. Like, do you have enough? So you can make you know interest off of something so that you can survive. Are you just going to take pension? Like, will you? How you?、Uh, Because not yet. But see, I'm not going to be stressed out about it because I've been I'm stressed out about it. I've been focusing on <laughs> bettering my abilities to make money and trying、oh. to stay alive and stay healthy. Because、mm. I think at this stage, when I'm raising a child 
and I try to give her the best education I can with all the classes. I don't even want to tell you how much money I spend. So she's your investment. Um, Well, I don't really think of it that way, but I think she's my priority, you know, when it comes to where my money goes. And you will be shocked what percentage of my income I spend on my child. Wow. So that she's the reason why I don't have extra money. (laughs) I could have extra money. You got to take this clip out of this show. And then when she graduates college, play (laughs) Maybe even before (laughs) she goes to college. So no, I don't really have a retirement fund yet. But I have the confidence that as long as I stay relatively healthy, I will be able to make enough, you know, a few years before that time period. So um, I have basically enough, no investment to worry about, basically no extra money that I have to worry about. So in case, let's say there is a housing market crash or like stock market crash or some kind of a exchange rate of volatility, when I read these in the news, they, they don't move me. I'm calm because I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it sounds kind of um, counterintuitive because most people will feel like, oh, you don't have a lot of uh, money stored, right? Like a cushion mm-hmm. um, and you should be worried. Well, maybe mm-hmm. in a few years. You know, I'm a little worried for you now, baby. <laughs> I'll be okay. I'll be okay. <laughs> and also being in a Chinese family, hmm. you know, if one day comes to that or something terrible happens and I won't be able to work for a while, I know that my parents can step in to help a little. You know, I always have a place to live and enough to eat. This theory of Bebe, I, I, I got to say, I don't feel that they would, this translate necessarily to our American listeners mm. because a lot of our American listeners, they don't have enough, right? They're struggling to pay the bills. They're working like two part-time jobs or a full-time job and a part-time job. I mean, I'm not talking about, obviously, you know, there's the upper 30% who's doing great and everything is wonderful and they're living in a bubble of happiness. I'm talking about the other, the rest, the normal, regular, you know, Mm. Joe six-pack Americans, they are not doing well. Mm. They are struggling to survive. They're being evicted. They're, they're, you know, they, they have bills piling up and they're having to triage their bills. So I think, you know, whether it's your theory or the, this Rutgers theory of just go out and have fun, like both can be difficult to do, to not worry Jason. when you have a lot of worries and then to Jason. go and have a lot of fun when you're buried in stress. I started my point with having mm. enough. Right, exactly. And a lot of <laughs> Americans don't. Not having, right. Well, that uh, one needs to make a lot of adjustment. And this is not the greatest time in American history, we have to say. Like right. the time that I spent, the decade or so that I spent in the States, it was a lot more peaceful, right? And a lot more prosperous. And if you work hard, you, one has enough. I don't want to mm-hmm. say too much bad about America. I want, for our American listeners who are listening, I really just want to say, you know, and this is something that we've brought up in the show several times, that, you know, there's plenty of money in America. It's just divided badly. So, you know, what America really needs is a greater economic equality. And then you guys would be doing great because it's all just being collected at the top. But this trend has the danger of leading us to an unhappy path. So let's stay on the happy track. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Can we compare some of your uh, books so far to uh, Mike? Mm. So Mike Rutger, this is from an article, uh, CNN, Stop Trying to Be Happy, Instead Have More Fun. His is actually not too dissimilar from what you said. Mm-hmm. So he says um, in, in it, 
Mike Rutger that we're too focused on, uh, you know, on thinking our way to be happy, but rather we need to do to be happy. And he says, taking on low arousal activities that provide balance, which is what you said, and renewal, like gardening, Mm -hmm. meditating, which is something you do, and reading, which is something you do, count as fun. So, you know, he means like Mm. filling your life with the activities that would make you happy and taking time. Okay. You like to, I like personally, my, my happiest moment in life, uh, you know, besides sleeping is uh, walking Mm. a casual walk in nature. Mm -hmm. And I do that sometimes. And I really, I, you know, according to his definition and yours kind of, that's like meditating. It's, it's counts as quote unquote fun. You know, I think what we're up against here uh, is that there's a definition of fun in the West Mm. that we haven't laid out for people. Mm. So actually there's this theory of ethics called utilitarianism. And I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible for people who are listening, who don't have an academic background. Mm. This means uh, there have been philosophers for hundreds of years debating Society should be built in a way that maximizes, increases the amount of, for the most amount of people, happiness. Unfortunately, happiness has been too difficult to define, and sometimes it's defined as pleasure, which means like video games or eating and all this other stuff. What Mike Rutger here is attempting to say is that we don't need to be pleasured to feel happy. What we need is Fun and lo- like it, gardening, meditating, mm. meditating, reading, and I guess more wondrous things like skydiving at the other end of the spectrum all count as fun. But filling your life with things other than stress and worry and work mm-hmm. is a way to maximize your happiness that defies the traditional Western uh, way of looking at what happiness is. It's not pleasure. It's not thinking about what makes you happy. It's being, doing something. It's almost like Zen, right? I you know think, that concept of Zen? Yes, of course. You know, that there's a book called uh, The Zen of Motorcycle Repair. So mm. some people really love working on cars and motorcycles. So for them, when they're working on their car or their motorcycle, there's Zen. For me, walking slowly in nature. For baby, reading, meditating, you know, taking care of her daughter. Mm-hmm. These are funds that can make us Happy. I think Zen can be achieved anytime, anywhere. It's more like an inner state, like an inner ability to focus oh, your mind. I guess it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's thinking. But it's easier he, uh, when you're doing yeah. certain things than doing others. For me, it's easier when I'm by myself, right? Let's say just uh, writing, reading. It's the easiest mm-hmm. uh, time when I can just focus on the present. Other times I have mm-hmm. to work on it a little like bring my attention mm-hmm. to what I'm doing. And then you are living in the moment. And basically that's what it is. Living in the moment is Zen. Mm. And when you are able to achieve that. Well, for some people that would count as fun. For other people that might be, you know, count as boring. It depends on the person, really. Um, I think really, if you just focus on what's in front of you, like truly focused, you would find that it's not boring. Like if you're cutting vegetables, instead of thinking oh, about other things. I know people things, who can't sit still. Right, because their mind is scattered. See, when we talk about happy, being happy, we can describe the opposite. You know, in what conditions are we not happy? When we are in a, like, when we are in a hurry, we're not happy, right? When we are in conflicts, we're not happy. When we are in a huge mess, we're not happy. 
when we are when our minds are cluttered, when our mind is cluttered. Is it true? It, we're not. Happy. And I wanted to question this because I'm not actually sure this is true because there are a lot of in the you know, I've heard these idioms from older people my whole life. Mm. And oftentimes they say during the struggle of your life, you think you're headed towards some end goal. But when you get to like retirement or whatever you think your end goal is, you look back and realize the times you were struggling the most were the best times of your life. It's I think the struggling um, it's not what I mean by being in a mess or a hurry. Like I'm talking about momentarily, like, you, you know, if this moment you are thinking far ahead of time, thinking about, mm -hmm. I should be there, but I'm right here that you're kind of in the stressed and agitated state, mm -hmm. your mind is not peaceful. You're not happy. Right. But what you said, uh, being in, um, struggling. That's like a whole period. Like for these few two years, mm. I started my own business mm -hmm. and it was a hard time. Mm. But this two period of time doesn't mean he's not happy. It was just hard. Mm. Like doing something hard and difficult is is does not equate being happy. Mm -hmm. Some people are happy being challenged, but like being happy is a lot of these unnecessary negative thoughts and emotions that mm. make you unhappy. It's not like a certain yeah. literally activity. being unhappy makes you unhappy. So like feeling distressed, like just like exactly or agitated. Uh, imagine yourself in these states, right? In a hurry, in a mess, with a lot of thoughts in your mind. How could one be happy in this state? Mm. Like being happy has to be a lot more simpler. You have to be in a inner state that's more simple. You know what I mean? With not so much mm -hmm. stuff cram uh, together. And I think also one um, needs a lot of uh, love ever, like since childhood to be happy. Because mm -hmm. I, I actually think about this a lot. Mm -hmm. I hear people talk about chapter three, insecurity, love. right? <laughs> insecurity, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. loneliness um, and uh, lack of self love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered, why are people like that? Because I don't feel that. You know, I barely know what loneliness means. And I've I've always been so well loved by uh, my family, you know. And when I when a Chinese person say by my family, it's way beyond uh, one's parents. You know, it's one's grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles and cousins. I've been so well loved by this huge family, extended family that I never I, I didn't even know what it is like being insecure. Well, I'm, I'm actually really concerned about your definition because I think about the outliers when people are communicating. So mm. when you say I have this huge family, they all love me and that's great and that makes me happy. I'm worried about some of our listeners who maybe don't have a family, right. who have cut their parents off because their parents were raging alcoholics and they can't talk to them anymore. I know. And they're not married or have kids and they live alone. And they're trying to be happy. So I'm also worried about those. Those people need to be able to find ways to be happy without saying, oh, I have 20 grandparents and 20 uncles and I'm so happy because they all love me. You know, right. You know, it's, you see that I feel really lucky that I grew up in this loving family. I'm just saying that this contributes to someone being a happy person, being a secure person. And what this can help us with is that when we raise our children, right, or treating other kids. We show them love so that they will grow up to be secure kids, you know, without a lot of self-doubt or self-hate. 
I'm just saying this is an important contribution for someone to be mentally healthy and happy. For those people out there who are cut off from society and are listening to this and are loners relatively with with regards to their families, I still think that if you get a cat, you can that cat will love you. You know, I was thinking about something that was related to what you're saying, baby. Mm. I have been thinking about the difference between the uh, social like zeitgeist, a collective unconscious of China versus the collective unconscious of the United States, because, you know, we both have a lot of experience in both. Mm. And um, I was thinking I was on the subway recently. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to give two examples. One, one example, I was walking across the street recently. This is two or three weeks ago. And I was wearing it was very hot this day. It was extremely hot. Mm. And I was wearing this large black Kung Fu Shan, like a Kung Fu outfit. But it was it's super Mm. thick and it's beautiful. I wanted to wear it because it's beautiful, made me feel beautiful. Mm. Now, I'm crossing the street on this scorching hot day in this black robe. And this old lady, mm-hmm. uh, she begins, she's, I don't know, 70, 80 years old, 80. She's definitely <laughs> very old. She begins yelling at me what? in public in front of a bunch of people. And she's smiling. And because I have a lot of experience living in China, I know that she doesn't mean harm. Right, right, she's right. thinking of herself as like my auntie. Right, exactly. And she's trying to give me advice this is not something we Chinese people wear on scorching hot days. You are overdressed. Go home and change. This is what she was telling me in Chinese. And I was like, how, how, how? As we were crossing the intersection and the other elderly people that were around her were all giggling as she did this thing where she yelled at me. I mean, yeah, full like screaming. People could hear probably a block away, a city She's block just away. loud. Right. She's just and loud. I, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I was, this is my first week here, I'd be terrified. Oh my God, what have I done? Because right, I right. wouldn't understand what she was saying. But I did understand. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm, I'll am i not wear it in this weather anymore. Okay. And she was like, okay. And she left. And I was thinking that <laughs> she, in China, go. everyone in society sort of acts more or less like we're all one giant family. Mm-hmm. Because if you did this in the United States, this would this might be something people are either scared of or they would react by yelling or, or really offend physical conflict, all kinds. It would just not work. Right. And then I was thinking about this since she did that, because it really deepened my perception of like China as this giant family. <laughs> and I was on the subway about a week ago and a, a grandpa was holding his granddaughter. She's like three. She's holding a chocolate bar or something. Some of the chocolate falls off and hit the floor. And mm. he told her, oh, you need to be careful with that. Then mm. he checked his pockets with his other hand that wasn't holding her. And he realized there was no nothing to pick up the chocolate with. Mm-mm. And then about 10 seconds later, I want to say five seconds later, someone across the aisle reached over with a tissue to hand him because they knew he wanted to pick up the piece of chocolate Mm -hmm. so that he could discard it later. And so it's just, you know, you don't see this in America. You don't see people automatically reacting to one one another's needs and offering advice and older people lecturing young people they don't know. This is a very... I think beautiful thing about Chinese mm. society that America could learn from. When you're talking right. about, oh, I have all these uncles and and I have love. I also think there's a lot of love in Chinese civilization. Mm. And I think we don't even think about this as like we don't even categorize it because it sounds so natural to me. Like if I were sitting or standing near the grandpa, I would do the same thing. I would probably, Mm. you know, take a piece of tissue and pick it up myself because I know I just get what needs to be done. So it Mm. sounds very, very natural to me. And that's something I love about China, too. This natural connection uh, between people, uh, even people that you don't know, because I think there's the sense that we are all very similar. 
You know,、mm-hmm. I can sense your needs, and other people can sense my needs because we're just we're all humans. Like we're different、mm-hmm. in、uh, minor details. If you look at it from a grand scale, and this.、Um, I can call it what this. What's the word? Like you just understand. So I love this.、Um, in Chinese, there's a word called muoti, muoti, which means tacit understanding.、Mm. You know, it's like、uh, everybody knows, but it's so natural that you don't have to talk about it. Like there's this tacit understanding between people in societies, and also you. I think you would know by now. There's this tacit understanding between. Let's say the central government and the people in China.、Mm-hmm. You know, when we read the news, we we can read behind the lines, right? We can read the words that are not said, and the words that have been said, because、mm-hmm. maybe to a foreigner,、uh, they will only be able to interpret the words that are written. But for a Chinese who's been living here for decades, we can also read between the lines and also the things that are not said. They, that's、mm-hmm. information to us too. So this kind of test understanding gives you the sense of belonging and the sense of bonding, and I think、mm-hmm. a sense of belonging is important to to humans. But I think that's a little bit neglected, shall I say? Like say in in the United States, that's my personal well, you know, feeling. They do have opportunities for socializing that don't involve cafes and bars in the United States too. But most of them are like、um, mm. clubs, social. They're very deliberate things. So you go to like、church. well, there's that, there's church, but a lot of people don't believe the same as other people, and so that becomes complex. But you know,、uh. there are like.、Uh, Self-help groups for people who have lost loved ones, or, or all kinds of different sort, or people who have cancer. So、mm-hmm. people go to these kinds of groups,、right. and they join up with other people who have, you know, loss in common or struggling addiction. Maybe they used to be an alcoholic twenty years ago, so they have a, a group for that, that kind of thing. And so, I think it's important for people. I agree with you. I think love is in chapter three, babe, in Bebe's book.、Uh-huh. Love is an important thing that people, and, and not just love, social bond. You know, right? That right. whole thing is a really important thing for people to have. So, for our lonely listeners, I do recommend that you, you know, maybe take up dance classes or something. You know, just get around some other people. That's intimate. Dance classes are too intimate to well, me, like especially kind of involving、dancing. two people. Well, you can have、true. square dance dancing. That's not intimate. I stay in my corner. You stay in your corner and let's dance together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not talking about salsa where you're like grinding.、Oh. I'm talking about you know like square dancing. You're this is not right, really that、right. intimate. Yeah, so I don't want people to feel scared about the like social distancing <laughs> here in China. People are not that close together. Okay, you don't have to bond with other people. It's a very comfortable,、um, diluted form of bonding. Right,、mm-hmm. like tacit、mm-hmm. understanding. Not a whole lot of things are said or done, but you know that you know people connect in a way. You know,、and、I actually disagree with Mike Rucker. I think he's. I actually, I don't disagree. I think he's got some good points. I think you've got some、mm-hmm. good points too. I, I read a lot about happiness、uh, when I in the last few years, also, and I don't. I couldn't write a book on it, but I definitely have my own opinion. And there was a lot of studies done at Harvard, and they do show there's a very strong correlation between helping others、mm. and feeling happy. Of course. So、right. I feel very much. I, I know that you're a Buddhist, and you get you probably you know help with Buddhist.、Uh, they they do all kinds of things for、mm. the community and stuff. Donations. I also stuff. feel it's important to. Like give to homeless people or like open doors for people, just simple small things to big things like、uh, donating money to charity to help like 
poor kids in the countryside get better school books mm. and things like that. I think when you help other people, and, and, and you know, that can be a lot of different things. For some people, that could be being mm-hmm. a school teacher, right? Okay, that's your full time job is helping other people. And, you know, it's just the way you define it. But when you help other people, mm. you feel good better about yourself and in your role in society. And that gives you a form of happiness. Right. And the root of that, because you were talking about actions that people do, but the root Mm -hmm. of that action is love and compassion. And can Mm -hmm. you imagine someone with love and compassion in his or her heart and not being, you know, happy? If one's heart is filled with love, that's happiness itself, right? Love and compassion. And Mm -hmm. being happy, I don't mean that you just smiling like from ear to ear. That's a younger version of happiness. Like that's my daughter's happiness. You give her a piece of chocolate. My goodness, I'm like your daughter's age. Well. (laughs) I am like, when I feel happy, which is often, I am smiling. Of course. Yeah, but that's one form of happiness. But as, uh, at least for me, as I become older, happiness become calm, like peaceful. You know, you are balanced and not disturbed. And also um, the, you have a sense of uh, achievement. You know, like loving your child takes a lot of energy and a lot of patience. If you're just looking at these actions, like you're not happy. You know, I would rather sit here, read my book than dealing, changing a, changing diaper. a diaper or, you know, helping her do her homework or at least, you know, uh, yelling at her to please do your homework at like nine o'clock at night. <laughs> Big homework issue. These Maybe not... you can get a robot for that. It's time to do your homework. Well, <laughs> she, will, she will get used to it and she will find ways around it. So if you're just looking at these individual actions, you know, that's not happy actions. But as I'm at this stage, happiness, the meaning of it is elevated. It rises above the mundane. It rises above that piece of chocolate, the sense that you get from piece of chocolate. It goes to the level where you know that you're doing something right. You know that you are giving off light. You know, you are like a candle burning, giving light to others, giving love to others instead of just like happy and chuckling, chuckling by yourself. Just fulfilling <laughs> your own need, you know what I mean? That's right, it's I a, a different level. A, a person all by themselves, totally happy, sitting. Well, like chair. eating popcorn <laughs> or you know a bag of potato chips. I was very happy when I was single and I could enjoy a bag of potato chips. You know, watching TV. That's you, one. Yeah, form you of just happiness. described my third favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I I love it too. But you know, turn on some science fiction movie and you got like a couple pieces of pizza, and I'm probably that's probably beyond walking to sleeping. Number one, number two, slow calm walks in nature, eating pizza and watching sci-fi. Those are, I'm pretty happy in all those situations. I totally get that. <laughs> but you know what? After I became a mom, that couldn't really happen too oh. much. After I became a mom, I had to hide all my junk mm. food because you eat, the kids are going to want to eat. Mm. And as they get older, they'll be able to reach all the cabinets, like every single so i know they will find it they will smell it they will find it and they will eat well, you get like a locked so box with like a combination code on uh it. my memory is not gonna know snickers in i there. can't handle one more password <laughs> <laughs> so and i i do want to mention something else that i think is really important sure please please do chapter four so i'm not talking about tricks i'm talking about things that are like more fundamental And one of those is that you have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to know yourself and be honest with yourself. I found this to be very crucial because... How is this related to happiness? I'll explain, 
right? Okay. Uh, first of all, you have to know yourself well. Know um, what you like to do and what you don't enjoy doing. You know, you you like I do not enjoy going to the parties, right? Going to parties. Mm. I do not okay. enjoy a lot of social engagements, or I do not want to spend a lot of time doing like superficial things, like making myself look pretty or things like that. Well, what I mean is, don't cave to peer pressure or so say no other people's opinions. Know yourself. I actually think some of these are life. Um, they're different points in your life because you know mostly parties are for people between the ages of I don't know seventeen and like. 25, 30. I think this is going to parties is a facilitating mechanism for finding a life partner. Because if you ever notice, if you're in a big group of people, 20, 30 people who have parties, as soon as two people hook up, you know, and be, as in become a couple, right? Two weeks later, no one knows where they are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They've I gone. See. They've left because the, the parties have served their purpose and they don't need them anymore. I, I never really understood parties, but maybe that's a good explanation. <laughs> but my point here is that, you know, first of all, know yourself. Uh, you need to be quiet to know yourself because you need to become self-aware, mm -hmm. right? Know truly what you need and what you don't need. For example, it took me two years working on Wall Street to know that this is definitely not my thing. Now, I would not be a happy person if I was still working on Wall Street, no matter how mm -hmm. much money I'm paid. That's a big no. Mm -hmm. So I learned that, I said no, and never again. And also mm -hmm. I learned that I won't be as happy doing TV, even though that's more glamorous and there's more money in it, because I like mm -hmm. the quietness, the privacy of doing radio. So I say no to TV. Maybe someday in the future, who knows? My point is that to know yourself well enough and to be brave enough to say no, no matter what other mm -hmm. people are telling you. People will tell you that, oh, you know, you have a great job on Wall Street. So many people want this job. If it's not for you, it's not for you. There's so many other mm -hmm. options in the world. But you need to know, mm -hmm. you know, you need to learn this about yourself mm -hmm. and, and be able to make that decision. And have the confidence that you will find um, your field somewhere else and, you know, work hard and be good at it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I want to mention. You know, I think that's a really great advice, especially because most by, by our age, most people have kind of figured that out. This is something kids, you know, when I say kids, I mean people in their early 20s, you know, figuring out where they want, what they want to do. This is something that they really struggle with because uh, I think a lot of the time it's not just their parents. That's the, that's an excuse that people say, oh, you know, especially Asian, right? You know, there's a lot of pressure to become a doctor or whatever. I don't think that's it. I think it's society. Mm. Society puts a lot of pressure on people to become certain kinds of things and they think they need to, yeah, you need to be these kinds of category, categories of things. If you're in one of these kinds of jobs, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're this, you're on your way to that, you're working on, yeah, Wall Street's a great example, then you're successful. But actually, I don't think success in life is about having lots of money. Success is about being how you described in chapter one, you know, being content and live happy. the life you want. That That's, matters so much more. Yeah. What's suitable for you, right? You have to know first what's suitable for you. And sometimes you have to test things out. It's, it might be Wall right? Street for some people. Might, they're like, exactly. yeah, like in the company, like stock market crashed <laughs> <laughs> in the company that I worked uh, I worked at, maybe there were like two, there were like two to three people who were born for that, 
You know, they were very analytical.、Mm. They were they solve math problems for fun, Jason. And they would like at lunch break. Yeah, they would come up with this like these questions and problems that literally like picks your brain apart. It was exhausting just to listen to that, but they enjoyed it.、Hmm. And I knew that that's just not my thing. And but and this brings me to another point that I think is really important: is that do not care so much about other people's opinions. You don't let that sway you. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's just a whole lot. So just chapter five, <laughs> or is this still chapter four? I think we need a whole new separate chapter. Don't care about other people's opinions. I agree、mm. with you to a certain Listen, point.、Yeah. You know, like Listen I think. To your parents otherwise, I, I could I would just wear like sweatpants and a t shirt to work every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if it's allowed at your workplace, why not? Right. I think technically, I could probably get away、mm. with it. They people would just only talk about it when I was. They will.、There. They will get used to it, right? <laughs> so I, I think yeah, that's really、yeah. important for someone's、uh, mental stability, and also to understand that people's opinions are. Deep. You know, opinions—they、mm-hmm. change all the time. A single person might、right. have hundreds of opinions、yeah. in a day. Don't let that influence. You. I think a lot. There are a lot of people.、Uh, maybe not you or me. I'm not sure.、I'm, but definitely, this is my mom. Okay, not anymore. When she was in, you know, our age, this is something that she concerned herself with. Other, what other people thought about her a lot.、Mm. And I think a lot of people suffer from this problem. She、mm. got over it, and I learned at the same time as her. You know, as a young, much younger person,、mm. that most people. They're too busy doing their. They don't, honestly right, don't care about you. Right. So they don't. They don't sit around <laughs> thinking. You know, man, that Jason, he's wearing sweatpants at work. Like, <laughs> exactly. They don't. They have better things to do than think about. So、that. remember, most people's opinions are cheap. You know, they don't don't、yeah. worry too much about that. But more fundamental to that is the ability to think independently.、Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that adults should really aim for: independent、mm-hmm. thinking, critical thinking. Yeah, you you need this、uh, critical thinking, this ability. To be able to think independently, and then you don't, you won't、uh, be swayed by the things other people say or by peer pressure. It's just too、um, a too hassled way to live your life, right?、Mm. You should have, you should be anchored within yourself. And each person is different. Even this、uh, this author you were talking about—that's his opinions, right? This whole book is his opinions. Well, I mean, actually, we we didn't even get to his theory. Really, we only touched on the、mm. first few sentences of this article. What he really is talking about is carving time out of our lives to pursue things that make us feel happy, which is something you say that you do. So, actually, I think for gardening, for example, this is a, something that a lot of people, Chinese folks too, right? American folks. They like gardening. You know, if you don't have enough time for gardening, you need to look at your priorities in your life and maybe cut a couple things down, or like just take a chapter、uh, cue from Baby's Chapter Four. Just say <laughs> no. I'm not going to watch the grandkids on Tuesdays because I'm gardening on Tuesdays. You're going to have to find someone else to watch the grandkids just on Tuesdays、oh、because、gosh. Grandpa and Grandma are gardening now you, every week on Tuesday. You sound like you you're going to like throw rotten eggs. <laughs> I just mean find time to do the things that matter to you, right? And this is challenging, like for Americans, I think, who are working too much.、Mm-hmm. I don't think all Americans work too much, by the way. I think a lot of people do have a full time job, and that's enough.、Mm-hmm. But then you need to find time to do the thing that you want to do. You're a dad. You're a mom. You know, get a babysitter. Go on a date. Want a date night once a week? Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful? You could. It's the filling your life with wonder. Right. Find time for fun. Do. Fun things. It's. I think it's more about balance, right? And a lot of these、mm-hmm. things, either gardening or journaling, reading, these are、mm-hmm. ways to, in a way, unload, 
right? To mm. detox. I like this word, detox. Yeah, because when you work word. a lot, stress build up. But when you're dealing with your kids, stress build up. And these are, you can almost feel the toxins building up in your blood, <laughs> right? Just poisoning your mind. So all of yeah. us, we need time to just, to just unload, to restore not just energy, but also balance. And mm -hmm. something I realized as I got older is that you want to take in less. When you are younger, you're after this, you're after that. You want this, you want that. It's about addition, right? As you're older, mm -hmm. maybe the line is around 40 or so, especially if you have... It didn't to, happen to me. Well, for me, at least, because I've taken on so much more ever since I became a mom. You know, being a parent, yeah. yeah. I, I imagine that that is, uh, stretches you to the limit because for me, I'm like, uh, for example, Jason can't handle this more. weekend I'm traveling to Hanan. <laughs> uh, the next weekend I'm ha traveling to Hangzhou. The next weekend I'm traveling to Shanxi. Oh my gosh. You know, this filling my life with wonder by going and mm. doing and seeing things that I've never seen that I always these This makes me happy. I can see you dancing, Jason. <laughs> I can see you dancing on the... <laughs> Like the platform at the train station <laughs> out of pure <laughs> joy. <laughs> well, you know, I, it will be a lot of stress for me. See, that's why this it would be happy mm. uh, and happy opportunity for you. But it will be like adding stress to me because I just can't mm. handle more. But my point is, mm. we all have our own way of unloading, of detoxing, of finding balance and just finding anchor. Like if I just went to an event or if I just spent a lot of time talking to like other people, I need a few hours if possible. A lot of times it's not possible, but if possible, I just sit, sit quietly by myself, right? Just like sit or read a little bit or write. Journaling. Journaling can be very healing, can be very mm -hmm. restorative, mm -hmm. um, giving energy. So you need to know enough about yourself to know how you are being recharged. I have a question. Are you one of these people, because I am, who likes to make lists? I do. I find it to be very helpful. I think if I just have I a do, million things in my mind, even though I know what I'm supposed to be doing now and I know what I'm supposed to be doing next or next week, mm. it gets stressful. Do you need a planner? But if I write it all down and I start crossing one or two things off, mm -hmm. I feel so much I more relaxed. Do you need a planner? I still have an extra one for 2023. <laughs> I need one piece of paper and a pencil. Uh, that's, that's a it. good idea too. But you know, yeah. this is a great trick for unloading things off your mind. Because as I mentioned, at least for me, I can't be peaceful with a cluttered mind. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. moment that I, when I become aware of this, I kind of um, look at my mind and see what can I unload? Because I could only focus on one thing at a time. Okay, that's a rule. So all the other things have to be unloaded when I'm focused on this particular one thing. And usually I write them down on a piece of paper and, you know, stick it on uh, to the wall beside my desk. It works great. When I finish that, cross it out, and this thing is gone. Literally just uh, thrown out of mm. my mind. Do not, no longer take up space in my very limited storage <laughs> capacity. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a very great trick. And also journaling. You know, I find this to be very helpful. I've been doing that for the past uh, over a year or so. Actually, much longer than that, just for a different purpose. And by journaling, I don't mean, you know, at the end of the day, I write down everything that happens. Mm. Not really. I think it could take many different forms. Um, I basically go for a timeline, like what has happened during the day. When I got up, uh, when I or cooked, uh, work. Work is usually a big chunk. Um, but when I see that on my timeline in my journal i feel very uh fulfilled mm. because i know that woohoo yay today i did something important mm. you know i've uh, achieved something like recording this show 
um, would be a big star. I have a question. Have you heard of the 5 a.m. club? Oh, getting up early. I think it really depends on yeah. depends on what if it suits you. Um, for me, because if you go, it, yeah. it's actually the point is not when you get up. It's when you go to bed. If you want to get up at five, I think both. It's the it comes in package because if you want to get, let me see. You have to go to bed by like ten, the latest. Well, I go to yeah. bed not, uh, like nine, eight thirty. But you, I wanted to, I want to talk about the per, I because I didn't do it my whole life. I was always a late night person, and I slept in to like you know whenever I had mm. to get up. But and I, and I used to be one of these people for twenty years who would get up thirty minutes before work. Mm-hmm. I'd get up and rush to shower, rush to dress, rush to work, and then <laughs> about. Three years ago, I started waking up really, really early, mm. like two hours before I need to be at work mm. or even earlier than that. And I would get up and I would take a shower and do all the stuff you're supposed to do to get ready. And then I have time to sit down mm. and read for like 10 minutes, nice. you know, maybe just read a little Tao Te Ching, mm. right? Just a little bit, just to get a picture of, well, you know, this is the way to think about the world. Oh, that's nice. Right. Have a right. coffee, Beautiful. go for a walk, mm-hmm. maybe show up to work early and then do things that when no one's there mm. and then people show up and you like some of the critical stuff, you know, you, the rest of your day is so much easier mm. when you've finished things really fast at the beginning and people are showing up they're showing up 10 minutes late and they're stressing about getting right, something and done sweating. and you're pacing yourself <laughs> because everything's already kind of floating by right i really recommend people at least try it for a couple months if it doesn't work for them fine but mm-hmm. i definitely i do see the you know the advantage of this whole th- and i've been doing it for for years i'm very happy with it for i me, think for me i think that will be my schedule like by the time my daughter goes to college <laughs> yeah. like meaning like when i have my own freedom back in a way so like a decade from now <laughs> about yeah about right about a decade if she doesn't what's the word like repeat a grade Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's hope that not, that don't happen so yeah i i think that's a wonderful schedule and it's very productive because it takes you, let's say, if not two hours, but like you get up 10 or 20 minutes than normal mm. and give yourself a little time to find balance before all the actions kick in. And it's so much better than rushing into things and mm. feel, what's the word, fumbled and uh, flustered mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Like literally until you collapse into bed at night. Mm. And day after day like that is just terrible. Mm. Like for, especially for young people, for one day, or a few days in a row, try to get up a little earlier, right? And uh, you go to work in order. In order as saying, meaning that your heart is in peace instead of rushing everything right. and like sweating your, fa- into, sweating your way into the office. <laughs> one, I want to point out one last article that I think is a really useful. And I think this is a, something for employers and managers, leaders to, and to think about more because for us employee types who are at the bottom end, it, there's nothing we can really do about it. But this is from Oxford Research Business Society, ox.ac.uk news. Happy workers are 13% more productive. So research has shown uh, from, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, research by Oxford University, Said Business School in collaboration with British multinational telecoms firm BT has found conclusive link between happiness and productivity. So trying to find ways to keep, you know, keep the people who are running the world, basically, because the workers run the world, you know. Happy will make a 13 more productive, 13 percent more productive business for whoever can manage their employees in that way. I think that's really, really important. And, you know, as someone who used to be a manager mm. uh, for of a big team, I think this is something I would have 
definitely rolled out or tried to influence other managers on, you know, I, I got to work for a, a very good company at mm. that time. And we did very much focus on trying to make our employees happy. It's not always, doesn't always work out. So did you like sing to them at the start of the day and like do a little dance <laughs> and all? <laughs> like, I think this, the, the happy or happy, the word happy, um, kind of has a like flexible and vague meaning here. When people think of happy, you know, they think of people like laughing or just smiling. But actually, you know, if you want to be more productive, you want to be better at what you're doing, you should be calm and balanced and to be clear thinking, like clear your way of thinking. Instead of just say, I'm so happy, I just had a lollipop, that kind of happened. This particular piece was based on, you know, tracking everything. So they tracked weather, they tracked uh, people's work hours, for example, and breaks. Did they have longer breaks or did they have shorter breaks? So they calculated it based on the time that off time, downtime, you know, weather conditions, people self-reporting. So yeah, it's difficult to track, but I think that they, Oxford, mm. you know, it's a giant name. I think they did a pretty good job based on what I, I can read here, mm. determining that people who felt happier in their jobs and self-reported being happy in their jobs tended to work harder at their jobs than people. You see this where people are so miserable at their job. You walk into like a fast food restaurant sometimes and you're like, this person's not happy. And they're like, <laughs> can I take your order, please? <laughs> you can tell well, like they're not putting their all into it, you know? <laughs> I think when it comes to work, the most important thing um, is whether, whether or not it's suitable for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There will be people who are very happy working at McDonald's, mm -hmm. even though they're not paid as much. And there are people who will be very happy taking care of elderly, even though that's really not an easy job, not for everyone. So if we can find something suitable for us, that's the key to happiness. I agree with you. Going back to the earlier point in the show, I think the point, okay, so having read lots of uh, articles like this, I think the point is that this is not actually for you mm. and me to read. This is uh, something for managers to read. And what it would tell a manager is don't chastise your employees so much or make sure that they have breaks or make sure that you're not uh, overloading them I with see. work. This, the underlying implied idea in this uh, research business society mm. article is that managers should try to make sure that they are understanding that the people that they are that are their direct reports are people mm. with you know human right. needs and stuff. For example, so like Amazon is famous for not letting its employees go to the bathroom very often. Oh. It's a huge problem in America. I'm guessing that if you take this article and apply it to those people, it's it's suggesting that these people who are not given enough breaks at Amazon will be more productive if they had more access to breaks and bathroom breaks. They right. would actually be more capable of doing their job better as opposed to being punished for needing to be. To recognize <laughs> that people are not machines. Right. And also for managers to know that if you truly want productivity, you should care about your employees as human beings. Right. And not just machines. All mm. right. Thank you so much for li listeners. If you want to add to our conversation, disagree with me or Bebe or agree with us or say what, you know, something completely off the wall, please email us at, at us at we love the bridge at gmail.com and we'll be happy to read your comments on the air. Thank you listeners. Thank you, baby. <laughs> and breathe, Jason. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you, Jason. Thank Bye. You.